Today on Government Matters, hitting the gas pedal on new technology in the military. What's behind the Navy's need for speed? Industry's role in helping the Navy move to mission faster. The leader of the Navy's Information Warfare Systems Command, Rear Admiral Boris Becker, tells you. And information warfare in great power competition. Naval Information Forces Commander Vice Admiral Brian Brown tells you what's coming next. With the latest from the West 2020 Conference, Government Matters starts right now. From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is Government Matters with Francis Rose. Thanks for watching the weekend edition of Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news, trends, and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm your host, Francis Rose. The Navy is emphasizing collaboration across commands and with other services to drive the change it will need to build its fleet and modernize its force. One of the leaders in that collaboration is Naval Information Warfare Systems Command. Navwar Commander Rear Admiral Christian Boris Becker discussed that collaboration among commands at the West 2020 Conference this week in San Diego. After the panel discussion, I asked Admiral Becker why that collaboration is important that we need to work together and work together to go faster. Um, the success that information brings to other platforms uh, is one that is critical uh, to those platforms. Mm -hmm. But we have to work together uh, to bring that, those capabilities, uh, I'd say, to the left. You know, how do we deliver them sooner? And how do perhaps we even work more closely at the upfront time in an engineering discipline of requirement setting mm -hmm. so that we know what we want to bake in rather than trying to figure out how to put it there later. Where do you see the biggest potential for increasing and accelerating that collaboration, Admiral? Well, as a case in point is the shipbuilding programs. Mm -hmm. um, today we have members of our team embedded with the shipbuilding program office as they're still going through the requirement stage, which is exactly where we need to be. Mm -hmm. What has been the holdup from that happening in the past? I, I talked to you and other leaders across the Navy, and the, the thought process kind of is, yeah, we should be doing that, at what point did we not do that and decide, I mean, how did we get to where we are today? And right. the purpose then is to think about what that looks like moving forward. Everybody's busy. Yeah. And everybody comes to work, you know, you assume noble intent. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the problem is, it's just so much work. And mm -hmm. So it, it's easy to let those things, I think, uh, sort of fall to the back burner when it's not directly in front of you and you've got other things that you need to work on. Uh, but by a, a consistent theme from leadership driving that, uh, I think we have the attention and focus that we need to, mm -hmm. to improve in that area. Speaking of driving, how do you uh, drive that down uh, so that it's vertical and not just horizontal among your peers? Mm -hmm. And how have you seen your peers do the same thing so that your team, a layer two, five layers down, is engaging right. in the same kind of collaboration that you're seeing at the Admiral level? Well, one is to, to start with the technical discipline of acquisition. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you look at the kinds of systems engineering reviews that take place early in the life cycle of a program, we can ask ourselves, what are we checking there? What sort of questions are we asking about the design or the concept uh, before we go forward? And checking to see that the kind of integration we need is baked in from the beginning. Mm -hmm. with, with many other requirements, we see the same thing. Uh, for instance, we're moved into model-based system engineering as a way for us to understand the, the capabilities that we build uh, and also maintain configuration of those capabilities. Well, up front, we can put that requirement in and set that at the table early on so that as a program develops, it develops with model-based systems engineering just sort of baked into it. Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense from the conversations that you're having and the acquisitions that you're seeing that there's more of an appetite now than maybe before for 
uh, an 85 or 90 percent solution as opposed to everybody wants everything that maybe has hung up projects mm -hmm. in the past. Well, we've talked before about uh, the concepts of uh, objectives and thresholds and, uh, and meeting particular parameters for each of those things. Um, and there's this other idea called minimal viable product, uh, MVP, uh, which may not be written down, but if I'm trying to move at speed, uh, in particular in the software field, how could I get to a minimum viable product that's tested and that's ready to go and deliver some capability now mm -hmm. rather than waiting for more later while still keeping, you know, keeping the work going to get that more? Yes. Uh, I, I think that's a, a particular shift in a mindset for delivering capability at speed. Um, with the users understanding what it is that uh, defines minimum and then where to spend more focus. And that, re that requires that kind of co-development between the engineers, the, the technical team, and the operators. Does that concept work in a hardware environment as well as a software environment, Admiral? It's more directed, I think, towards a software mm -hmm. environment, uh, in particular when we talk about developing the SEC DevOps uh, in a framework as we, we have uh, established this uh, collaborative, collaborative software armory, or mm -hmm. CSA, uh, that's obviously geared towards the uh, software side of things. Hardware, it's a little bit more difficult, to, but then again, with hardware, you're going to have specific uh, threshold or parameters that you know that you need to meet a threshold. Mm -hmm. Either from this show or more broadly, what is your sense of how industry's responding to this demand for speed? It's not just coming from the Navy, it's coming from the entire military. What, how do you see them responding to that, stepping up and saying, here are ways that we can deliver capabilities to you faster? Well, one way is the participation, the, the amount of participation uh, that we have in one of our other, other transaction authorities mm -hmm. uh, consortium, the IWRP, or Information Warfare Research Project, run out of our Warfare Center in Charleston. Uh, small businesses, large businesses, a lot of businesses that are not routine defense uh, sector businesses have joined up in that IWRP. Uh, and so I think there's a, a thirst for that. There's a, a willingness on industry part. Uh, to come and, and try to figure out ways to move faster. Mm -hmm. uh, what is, have the security implications of that been? We have talked a on Government Matters a lot about CMMC and the, the cybersecurity requirements that contractors will have to go through. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of people back in Washington saying that's challenging for the smaller companies right. that you just talked about that you're trying to bring in at the same time you want to make sure that your supply chain is secure. Um, any security implications that you're seeing, not specifically from that, but mm. just more broadly uh, across the supply chain? Well, I, you bring up CMMC, and uh, um, I think it's important to recognize that we have to understand the implications of that for all players that we want to bring and maintain inside the Defense Department uh, industry uh, partnership. Uh, so I've asked for some particular questions on how we would implement that and in particular how we would implement that with a small business. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't gotten the results yet, but, uh, but as we say, hitting the press to test uh, to make sure we understand what those implications are so we don't close the door down on, on uh, innovation and uh, people who want to bring something to the fight. So it sounds like you're looking for opportunities to help at least guide companies to the right places to get information when you see something that's promising that can help you with that speed issue. Correct, correct. Uh, we're looking for any any way we can to accelerate, and that that means bringing in fresh ideas. Uh, it means working with uh, long-standing partners to understand how we do business with them, it, and it means understanding how we do business ourselves. Um, we took a look at contracting, how long it takes to get stuff on contract. Well, recently, uh, one of our PEOs uh, put on contract a services contract, a $168 million contract. History tells us it should have taken 200 days or more to get that. 
94 days. Mm. 94 what days. made the difference? What was that person able to do that they weren't able to do before, or what did they not have to do that they uh, had to do before whatever? Well, I think the first key is focus. Mm. Uh, change the focus uh, and change the focus of the team and look for obstacles. Look for obstacles that would create friction, that would slow that process down and, and let us accept 200 plus days. Mm -hmm. Challenge all the assumptions and see what we could do more, more quickly. More of my conversation with Rear Admiral Boris Becker, the commander of NAVWAR, in just a moment. NAVWAR was Spay War only about a year ago. Straight ahead, Admiral Becker will tell you what the name change has accomplished. Government Matters continues next on ABC7. Welcome back. One of the key components of the Navy is about a year into a major name change. Last June, Space and Naval Warfare Systems Command, SPAWAR, became Naval Information Warfare Systems Command, NAVWAR. Its commander is still Rear Admiral Christian Boris Becker. At the West 2020 conference this week in San Diego, I asked him why that name change matters. I, I think it's, it goes back to focus. Uh, and. Uh, we shifted the focus, I believe, for folks that we that work with us and, and for, for whom we work. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I'll be on a panel with NAVC and NAVAIR and now NAVWAR. Uh, it, it makes us, um, it tightens our synchronicity with the rest of the acquisition enterprise. Mm -hmm. uh, and that goes back full circle to the question about how do we make sure we, we integrate more deeply. Uh, that's one way as part of the, the overall acquisition enterprise. And it's a mindset change. Now we are, we are in an era of great power competition. Uh, naval information warfare capabilities and capacities will be the difference between success or failure. So he, at NAVWAR, we take that mission very, very seriously. What are the major blocks, rocks that you're pushing up a hill, big projects, initiatives right now, sir? Well, uh, looking at things like cloud. How do we migrate to the cloud? Uh, we uh, were very successful in migrating our Navy-wide enterprise resource planning tool, or ERP, into the cloud. In fact, we migrated it 10 months ahead of schedule. All things digital. Uh, how are we digitizing our Navy? How are we delivering on the value of model-based systems engineering, as we discussed a few moments ago? Mm -hmm. um, how are we virtualizing our environments even further? Uh, so for instance, with, uh, again, back to speed of delivery, uh, we put in place this uh, collaborative software armory where people who are authorized to be in the armory can access it from anywhere and have access to the kinds of uh, security tools and development tools that can le let them develop capabilities much more rapidly in, this, in a safe and secure environment and then move to production. Uh, so again, just focus on speed with rigor and discipline, uh, but moving at that kind of speed, well, that's one, that's one of the big rocks. Mm -hmm. How do we accelerate? Similarly with security, how are we, how are we approaching our cybersecurity and delivering cybersecurity. We have to do a lot of checking, a lot of testing, a lot of verification. That takes time. It could take too much time. So we're assessing how we look at those processes and how we can accelerate those, um, the, again, the same discipline and rigor, but go from 18 months to 18 hours. It's interesting to me that I imagine a lot of people want to talk to you about the Big Bang stuff and <laughs> big pieces of stuff. I think of all of the things that you discussed there, the ERP is the most interesting one to me because branches and DOD as a whole have not had a lot of success with major migrations like that over the years. What do you think the secret to your success in this case was? What helped you get it done 10 months early? What helped it roll out successfully? I think transparency. Uh, working with the user community, working across the technical community, 
uh, with effective planning. Now, now, don't get me wrong, there were some, some hiccups and uh, you know, we had to work through those. Mm -hmm. um, but a, a, a focused team uh, with open communications between the user community, the technical community, the industry community, uh, to understand where the risks are and then burn down those risks mm -hmm. uh, and then just a relentless drive. Burn down risks or just manage them effectively? Well, either case, I think it's kind of the same thing as okay. opposed to just accepting them and then waiting for the risk to turn into an issue. And as I said, we worked through some of those as well. About a minute left, Admiral. What's on the horizon? What are the big things, the big lifts that you expect to start to take on in 2020? In 2020, we're, we're going to um, continue to deliver sus uh, sustained capability at sea. That's, it starts there, making sure that the ships that are at sea today deployed on, you know, on doing our nation's business that everything that they have works. Uh, and then getting the next ones ready to go. Mm -hmm. uh, so the operations and maintenance, the readiness of our fleet, that's my, my major focus area uh, every day. Uh, but then looking at what future readiness needs to be. What do our future warfighters need? Uh, and not just tomorrow, but five years from now or 10 years from now, maintaining that focus on developing capabilities that we know we need to win the fight and staying on track with those developments. So the world of cyber and the world of digitization and the world of uh, creating the environment that enables that. And then, well, talking about environments, uh, revitalization. Mm. Revitalizing the NAVWAR headquarters compound uh, here in San Diego. Uh, we have an agreement between the United States Navy and SANDAG on what that could look like, what the potential future is there for, for a redeveloped uh, NAVWAR headquarters. Very excited about keeping positive momentum on that. You can watch my conversation with Admiral Becker again and all of our conversations from the West 2020 conference at govmatters.tv. Straight ahead, the information warfare enterprise, what it is and what it does. The commander of the Naval Information Warfare Command is next on Government Matters. Welcome back. Admiral Becker told you a few minutes ago how NAVC, NAVAIR, and NAVWAR are working together to drive speed throughout the force. The key to that collaboration is information. Vice Admiral Brian Brown, the commander of Naval Information Warfare Command, discussed the Information Warfare Enterprise at the West 2020 Conference in San Diego this week. I asked Admiral Brown about the challenges the Enterprise faces in the era of great power competition. I think one of the biggest challenges that we first started to tackle as an enterprise um, uh, was just getting our, getting our hands around collectively uh, the modernization of information warfare capability. Uh, and if you can tell from the very beginning what I said, it's a very broad portfolio of mm -hmm. capabilities. Um, and so we put focus on that initially. Um, we, as we started to focus in on the really the traditional modernization of equipping side, it also starts to lead you down the path of, you know, do we have the manpower right? Are the right skill sets there? Are we training them correctly? And so that's kind of the, the, the main focus that the enterprise started taking off on. Mm -hmm. We focused our initial year really looking at the, 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 the pointy end of things, which is our, um, our, our aircraft carriers, uh, strike groups, and our um, amphibious ready groups, and the readiness around them and the IW capability that is resident inside of them. So we took, a, we took a big turn on that in the, in the first year. And uh, what we put in place was a, a data framework in an environment to start really using data to make decisions. Uh, instead of having to kind of ad hoc or I feel that my readiness is, is one way or the other, mm -hmm. um, taking a, a systemic look at that, that readiness piece. 
Uh, and in our first year by doing that, we, we've made substantial changes uh, within the fleet on how things are aligned between the various stakeholders. And then we've also um, made substantial leaps in our ability to modernize on time and also to deploy our strike groups and amphibious ready groups, um, as the SWO boss would say, with no redundancy left on the pier. Mm -hmm. One of the questions I wrote down was the role of IW in the in great power competition. I think the way you've described it is pretty obvious how important it is. What's the trajectory like, though? What's, so, you, what's the evolution that you foresee? Yeah, so... Um, so what's happened really over the last uh, decade or so, and uh, as Admiral Roughhead put uh, in the wheels in motion to set up the initially the in information dominance core, as we were originally known, and, and, and evolved in through Sino uh, uh, Richardson as the information warfare community. Uh, we started off as a collection of, of specialties um, and really focused heavy at the acquisition level. But over the last decade, uh, we've realized that the specialties are so inter interdependent, and they might not seem they might not seem so, you know, what's meteorology have to do with cyber? Mm -hmm. um, but the reality is in, in great powers competition and the way, the way we're headed as a Navy, uh, the concept that we are using uh, is, is distributed maritime operations. The ability for uh, the fleet to maneuver uh, and to be distributed to create dilemmas for an adversary and also to be integrated at the same time. In order to do that, that kind of maneuver, uh, with multiple strike groups and multiple ARGs, uh, you have to do it at the operational level of war uh, uh, from, a, from a maritime operations center. And the glue that pulls that all together is the information warfare c capability collectively. Mm -hmm. You have to understand the environment that you're operating in. Now that's the physical environment, seafloor to, to the stars. We do that uh, in information warfare. You have to understand the spectral environment for, uh, to understand the EM propagation around, around you. Uh, you have to understand the threat environment. So that's where our intelligence and um, signals intelligence communities come together to, to provide that kind of context of what you're operating in. Uh, you have to be able to communicate if you're going to be maneuver, be distributed, but integrate at the same time. Uh, that's the portion of IW that brings in our networks and our, and our, um, our communications stations capabilities. Mm -hmm. And then when you tie it all in a bow, um, our, our real advantage in a great powers competition is going to probably be in the cyber or space domain in the non-kinetics and EW. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's our specialty. Uh, that's our wheelhouse. So collectively, we've been able to tie over the last decade all these specialties that were kind of operated independently, and we've, we've focused them into a, to a capability now that we have afloat. Um, on, our, on our strike groups and, and now we're starting to venture into our amphibious ready groups and into the maritime operations centers of an integrated IW capability that pulls all that together uh, to create decision space for our commanders. I, an amateur like me wouldn't automatically assume that an oceanographer would be the commander of naval information forces. What kind of insight does that background of yours <laughs> give you into this? I mean, yeah. You mentioned all the different specialties right, right. that information, the information warfare enterprise is comprised of. So I think um, I think what the special sauce in my career, right? Why an oceanographer in this role? Mm -hmm. um, uh, I have been as an oceanographer, like a lot of intelligence or uh, signals intelligence cryptologists. Um, we've supported all facets of the Navy through throughout my my career, um, and so I have a I've had to develop a broad understanding of naval operations from anti-submarine warfare to anti-air warfare, you know, through, through, through mine warfare, I've, I've done all those things. And traditionally as an oceanographer, 
Um, we've always been inside the kind of operations side of the, of the Navy. So I've always had a, a, an affiliation with how the Navy operates, which gives me, a, 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 I think, some insight in, in where we're heading. Um, the other thing I think that is unique to uh, oceanography is, you know, we deal, we deal in predictions mm -hmm. and data. Um, and so we have it a little easier maybe than my intelligence counterparts because Newton described something, uh, force equals mass times acceleration, and we've been able to hone that uh, through uh, computational capability into predictive models that tell us how our forces will fare against Mother Nature or in combat against an adversary in certain environments. Um, that's given me kind of the analytic background, the analytic tools to kind of look at things a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I bring to the table as an oceanographer. Um, I'm able to pull in all these other um, various aspects of information warfare, but I always keep it from that context of, of an analytical science base, um, and I'm always looking at the data and trying to figure out what's the data really telling me. Uh, and where we need to go as an information warfare community um, is we've got to continue our trajectory, which we're doing much better at, across all the spectrum, into more predictive space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, historically, um, uh, the intelligence functions, other things have kind of been, here, we're going to collect data and we're going to provide you context right now. Um, but we're pushing farther and farther out in terms of what an adversary may or may not do in that predictive space. And collectively, I think that's what's really going to push us forward. And as an oceanographer, that's where my head always is. Don't forget, if you miss an episode of Government Matters, you can find it on our website, govmatters.tv. You get a preview of every newscast by signing up for our daily program guide. You just text GOVMATTERS to the number 22828. I'm back in two minutes. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 11 on WJLA 24-7 News and next Sunday morning at 1030 on ABC7 to stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Thanks for watching. I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening. Our daily program is produced by Sharice Hanner and Ashley Gallagher. Christy Marriott leads our technical crew. Our web editor is Andrew Wagner. Government Matters was created by George Jackson. Visit govmatters.tv for articles, videos, and more, including our first feature-length documentary, The Dawn of Generation AI. Government Matters is recorded at WJLA-TV in Washington, D.C. Copyright Sinclair Broadcast Group.